Hooray, and welcome to another episode of the Hoodat Jedi Podcast. This is episode 183. I can't believe that, guys. 183. My name is Aaron, and with me as always is Dave and Fredo. How are we doing, guys? Good, good. Doing pretty good. And we have a returning special guest. I think this is, what, your third time with us? I think so. Yeah. Um, Ariana Gamble. She is heading up Chewbacca's. That old man is mad. Um, the most awesome Mardi Gras parade. Um, Thank so you. Thank you. we are in carnival season, y'all. We talked about this last week. Um, and uh, so we're going to uh, get some more behind the scenes, you know, what it takes to put on a parade full of nerd stuff. Uh, and that's that's the awesome thing about that parade is that it's <clears throat> it's like no expectations, just nerd stuff, you know. Um, so... Um, but we'll get to that in a little bit. We also have some news, uh, big news this week. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, but first I suppose uh, we don't, we don't have to talk about the saints. Saints, uh, are out of the playoffs. So bless you boys. Um, we do have to talk Do we need to talk about Jameis going rogue, going rogue one. Real real quick, real quick. How'd you guys feel about that? You know, um, I'll, I'll start. Um, first of all, we were up in the 600s, and when when we were on the one-yard line, and it looked like we were going to be run the victory formation, the play started to boo. We wanted a touchdown. It was like, we don't care that it's running up the score, that it's whatever, want a touchdown. Then when they ran it, everybody was thrilled. <clears throat> now, I see the argument that running out of the victory formation is not all that cool. But, you know, I've heard other... I've heard other players like Richard Sherman and others say every time the ball is snapped, you got to be prepared that something's coming. Um, so I think, so I'm, and especially since it's against the Falcons and it was for a noble cause and you know what it, uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll save my rant about how it makes me feel about our <clears throat> coach. Um, but I will say, listen, it's, it's my, my two cents. Go for uh, it. There are no rules when it comes to games between the Saints and the Falcons. Period. That's it. Do you think do you think they would have not done that to us? And let's also remember, I I I went and found receipts. The Bucks were blitzing on the uh victory formation you know, a handful of years ago. So, yeah, yeah. you know, there was one where they tried to like time the snap and like get in there and like grab over, the ball, knocked over, yeah. um, uh, Eli Manning. And then the next week they did it on the Cowboys. Yeah. So there was a Falcons, uh, player that, uh, tweeted out a highlight of him running back a game stealing, like interception. The game was already won. They were up by 20 or something. And like, he's like running in a tack on touchdown defensive touchdown he's like you know it's all good you know this is what you do and i also so. said that somebody should make Jameis uh a mardi gras grand marshal somewhere somebody do <laughs> it agree. now i agree <clears throat> My, you know, when i saw it happen i just kind of laughed i went of course you have to do that i mean i had no idea about all the stuff that was happening behind and then when our coach decided to come out and apologize i was like what are you apologizing for this is the falcons this is what you do in your rivalry game. I mean, so I, I kind of get, I'm with, kind of with you and Dave and everybody about, yeah, victory formation feels kind of bullshit, but also, you know what? 
I always follow the same old, the age old boxing rule, protect yourself at all times. You know, <clears throat> okay. He's so, a pros. He's a pros. I, I will, I will say something about Dennis Allen. I mean, here's, uh, it's, here's how you handle it. I mean, it just shows how it just inept he is as just being a leader. It's like, here's how you handle it. Uh, at the end of the game, you, you say something like, you know, I don't know what message got crossed or something like that. We'll get to the bottom of it. We'll take a look at it, whatever. Just kind of say something very milk toast, you know, just, just bland. And then you close the door and you rip everybody's butt up one down the other. And you give them, you know, hey, if you don't like the call, the plays that I'm calling, then go play for somebody else. You don't do that in the public. You don't apologize for your team or your, like, I was a band director. I don't, I'm not going to apologize for my kids. I mean, you, you take it on the chin yourself and then you close the door and you rip butt. And that was just what he did was just like, come on, man. Um, I just think like what what's the the part of the discourse where like I get lost is like people using it as a referendum on him. And it's like we know. I think we've all known for two years like this is not the guy. He's not gonna work out. It's well, not was, gonna happen. This was the this was the evidence that's like, you mm-hmm. know, that yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean I, I, I think Yeah, the the cherry maybe if yeah. you want to say proverbial yeah, straw. Like, yes. Yeah. It's just a little bit like yeah. He's not the guy. It's never going to work out. But, but especially, I mean, I remember my dad telling this story that he used to play Scrabble with my grandmother, my his his mother-in-law. And grandma would just whoop his butt all the time. And he said it made him mad when she would take it easy on him. And she would like play words that were like three points when he's down like, you know, 52. And he's like, if you're going to beat me, I would, he said, I would rather her, you beat me into oblivion than go easy on me. And so, I mean, what you're showing mercy at 40, when it's 41 to, you know, 17, I think we're long. I think James had an awesome point as we're long past mercy, you know, (laughs) score. Anyway. I'll tell you what, I would have been angry if somebody got hurt on that play and that's where i become a hypocrite i'm like oh yeah yeah run it up run it up but if they had done that and some guy had gotten hurt on that play on our team and then heaven forbid they somehow make it into the playoffs because those other two teams lost i would have like been man i would have been calling for their heads you know at that point so like i get it I get it both ways, but it's just so funny to me that everybody's like talking about this instead of like the PR campaign that they were waging earlier in the day where they were just like, oh, yeah, uh, Lattimore is a bad guy. All of a sudden, I'm like, where's this coming from? They're, you know, they're paving the road to get rid of Lattimore. Now, that stuff pissed me off way more than any of the like kneel down, non kneel down hullabaloo so but but to ariana's point also what makes it a mortal sin is that it was with the falcons if they would have apologized to the jags or you know any other team you know then it would have been like yeah you ought not do that whatever but it was the falcons and it's just like come 
on, man. So anyway, got me all fired up, Fredo. (laughs) I'd finally calm down. All right. Well, and hey, but the Pels, Pels are playing well. So there. And my Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, beat number one Purdue the other night. So um, you had a much more impressive win when you defeated Kansas State in Manhattan earlier in the season. So I, you know, I want to give you your props for that one too. Right on. So yeah, we're yep. we're finding our joy wherever we can because we're not getting it from Nebraska football or the Saints right now. So <laughs> all right, it is time for Ariana's favorite thing: trivia. Da, 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 da. Um, so, so much fun. well, I won't make you go last so that you're like the kid in class who's like sitting there having a panic attack because your presentation, you know, is kind of, but I won't make you go first either. Um, so Fredo to you, mm-hmm. how does Lando Calrissian address Darth Vader? Uh-huh. How does Lando Calrissian address Darth Vader. Doesn't he just say Lord Vader? He does say Lord Vader. Okay. It felt like a trick question. <laughs> that was like a Colt 45 commercial or something? <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. It just, it's like you start thinking all the times that Lando talks to Vader. It's like, wait, does he ever say anything other than Lord Vader? So, How do you address Lord Vader? Very yeah. carefully. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's see here. Ariana, to you. Um, let's go. Whose first words to Han in A New Hope are solo, come out of there solo? Whose first words oh. to Han in A New Hope are solo, come out of there solo? That's a special edition, if I believe. Yes, I it is. That's the only special edition. Um, is that Jabba? It is Jabba the Hutt, yes. Nice. It is. Well, I the, got one yeah. right. The, the scene isn't nice, but yes, it's... it's yeah. <laughs> we've, we've argued about it's that It's that before. weird scene where they're all like standing by the hangar or whatever. Yeah. Yep. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a repeat of the same dialogue that Han has with Greedo. So it's really awkward. And um, I did, we, it was on the other day and um, I do like the... Uh, Boba Fett breaking the fourth wall. I did like that one a little bit where he turns and looks at the camera and walks away. Um, but it would have been cooler just to leave him in there and not look at the camera. But anyway, I like it. All right. So, um, Dave, to you, what character points out that the place Luke calls a slimy mud hole is in fact his home? Come on, nail this one into the stands. What character points out that the place Luke calls a slimy mud hole is in fact his home? Yoda. It is Yoda. It is Yoda. All right. It's my turn. What nighttime ceremony in the Phantom Menace is attended by members of the Jedi Council as well as Chancellor Palpatine? That would be Qui-Gon Jinn's funeral. Which, that is still, I think we talked about on the show before, that was the one spoiler I got from the soundtrack (laughs) before the movie came out. Who makes a track title, Qui-Gon's Funeral? 
I mean, it's like, come on. <laughs> anyway, all right. So da, 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 da. that's trivia. Um, we got a couple bits of news. Yeah, let's start with the small one and then we can kind of dive into the bigger one. So the small one was, I mean, we just had the Golden Globes last week and uh, a bunch of people were nominated, a bunch of people won awards. Uh, they also announced the SAG Awards, you know, not surprising, stuff like Barbie and Oppenheimer leading. Uh, but in the middle of all that, they announced that the, the stunt teams for both Ahsoka and Mandalorian were nominated for Best Stunt Ensemble. So kudos to them. It's actually an interesting, because you know, when you start thinking about it, I mean, Ahsoka had a lot of duels and some fight scenes, like particularly I'm thinking that last, those last couple of episodes. And then Mandalorian had that big old battle, you know, particularly you know, in the last episode when they took on Moff Gideon. So it's interesting that they're recognizing it. And uh, hold on, I'll just tell you who they're, uh, who they're going up against. Because they're going up against one another. So they're going up against Ahsoka, the Mandalorian, Barry, which is the um, uh, TV show on HBO, The Last of Us, and Beef. Something called Beef. It's what's for dinner? Or what? I, I, look, 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 I, I only have so many hours in the day. It's best not to click on that link, though, I don't think. Yeah, it's, you, you never know what you're going to get with something like that. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. So pretty much it. I mean, in that regard, it's interesting that uh, Pedro Pascal got nominated for The Last of Us. He's all for getting nominated in the SAG Awards, him and Bella Ramsey are both nominated as an ensemble, the two of them. So, it, which would be interesting to consider when we talk about the next bit of news, because there was a big kind of, and it's in StarWars.com, so I can't even say I'm lying here. You know, the, Mandal the, the headline is, The Mandalorian and Grogu are embarking on a new adventure to movie theaters. The way that the press release goes, it's going to be a movie directed by John Favreau, produced by Favreau, Kathleen Kennedy, and Dave Filoni. They go with the title of The Mandalorian and Grogu, and it's going to go into production in 2024. So is, this is that is that the actual title, or is that like just their that, The Mandalorian and Grogu? So like Beavis it might and be Orkin, or it might be the Orkin title, but then you also think you know they've spent how many years now? promoting The Mandalorian as a franchise, so you don't necessarily get to oh, walk we, away from that. We know how awesome Lucasfilm has been at naming things recently. I mean, their mm -hmm. creative team is working hard. You know, uh, By the way, everybody, we will dive deeper into this in a future episode, but I guess uh, initial thoughts uh, just around the horn here. Um, having uh, a Mando movie and by the way part of it was this is not the feloni crossover thing this is no. in addition to connected with you know it um it, it kind of sounds like captain america and then captain america civil war you know where it's basically an avengers movie that's what it kind of sounds like we're going for here but um it'll be interesting to see how this does in the movie theater and i don't know if people get 
uber confused because they're used to watching the Mandalorian on their TV. And will they, will it be confusing to them? I don't know. Maybe I'm selling people short. I, I mean, I like the idea. So it was exciting. Like if they called it the baby Yoda movie, I think it would perform better. Yeah. But see baby shark is coming out. So it's, you know, that'd be even more confusing. Baby Yoda, doop to doop to doop, baby Yoda. <laughs> like, like I can guarantee that it would do an extra couple hundred million at the box office if they just called it the Baby Yoda movie. But um, I don't know. Like we talked a little bit about this a couple weeks ago because the rumors were were starting to circulate that this might be a possibility. Um, I think it's fraught with the potential to not work. Um, but we sort of talked a little bit about that in our DMs too, which is that apparently they don't have a firm plan here. They're going to do a movie, see if it might lead to more movies, like a trilogy situation. Well, it sounded to me that it was this one and then Filoni's and there might be a third. Now, which who comes first chicken or the egg on the Filoni movie and the third movie, you know? And, um, and again, that's what we'll get into next week. So who, yeah, I, I don't know. It you, you'd I like think it's, you'd yeah. like to think that they got a plan, but that just seems they're they're obviously worried because it's about does something make money, and then we'll you know do another. So a couple of bits of news I'll mention before Ariana jumps in is it, this doesn't mean that. Remember a few months back, John Favreau came out said that they had all the scripts in place for Mando season four. That is still going into production also. So are we going to get the movie before season four? Because, you know, that's what it sounds like. They're saying they're going to go into production to the movie this summer. So then will they continue on afterwards? Now, I brought up Pedro Pascal because you don't really need Pedro anymore in regards to him being on set or him being you know, in front of the camera. I mean, we, you know, he has divested himself of that role where all he's doing is doing coming in into the audio booth and doing, you know, the lines uh, for his for an audio performance, and he's got two other uh, actors doing the actual uh, physical performance. Uh, so, but it's an interesting concept that you could have a Mando and Grogu movie and Mando season four soon after. So, I wonder how they're going to balance all that out. You know, it might be too much cake. You know, too much chocolate cake all at once. I don't know, Ariana. Do you have feelings on this? I don't know. I'm. Um feels weird to have all of this happening at the same time and not no clarity about what is actually happening and that's what gives me kind of some anxiety of um you know i think when star wars works best it's it's when you have a clear vision for the story that you're telling and why you're telling it um and when you get really tied to we have to tell the story about this character. That's when things start to kind of go off the rails sometimes. And it, it worries me that it's like, are they being intentionally vague because they, they just want to be, you know, like hype people up about it and they ha- have a good plan or do they not have a good plan? And, and that's why they're being vague and, and circumspect about like what's happening with the, the John Favreau thing versus the Dave Filoni thing. Uh, I don't know. It makes me nervous. 
See, and I think I think that's a a creature of the internet because I was thinking about this. It's like back when I was, you know, what uh, 1980, I guess, or uh, 19, would have been 1981 when Empire came out, right? So I would have been uh, nine. But God, wait a minute, I can't do math. Um, anyway, uh, but you know, no, I would have been eight. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, all, we, all, all we all we knew is that the empire was coming back. That's all we knew, and the the trailer was just a bunch of things and the people we know, and that. But it looks a little bit different, and that stormtrooper looks weird, and there's snow. That's all we knew, you know what I mean? And now, because of the internet, we we get more behind the curtains, and so yeah, our anxiety goes up because I, I so it's it. You know, so on one hand, you're right. Is is Lucasfilm being cagey because they're they don't know what's going on, or they're just, or are they trying to save us from ourselves? I don't know. So, so can I throw something in right quick before we continue? Because there's another line at the bottom of this press release on their website that goes, "The Mandalorian and Grogu will lead Lucasfilm's ongoing feature developments, like including films held by." Charmino Bechinoid, which we know is the Ray Skywalker movie. Ooh. James Mangold, which is the uh, uh, Birth of the Jedi movie that he's supposed to be working on. And Dave Filoni, you know, the Mandalverse movie. But they had this, who is also currently developing Ahsoka Season 2 among those in the world. So in other words, yes, we are getting Season 2 of Ahsoka. You may start celebrating. Well, so now I'm not so mad. Now I'm not so mad about the uh, finale of that series. So yeah, now that we know that there's a season two, I said if I if, if I would have known a season two was coming, I wouldn't have been as like ambivalent about that finale. Mm-hmm. But it makes me wonder. It makes me interested because if Dave Filoni is doing season two of Ahsoka, or is he pushing his own movie back? It's all. It's the Mandalorian and Grogu. We can get into this later. But it's the Mandalorian and Grogu something that they're coming up with, saying we need to get a movie out because we've had to push a lot of these projects back because of the strikes and everything else. Yeah. I so think... we want to get something going. Is in a way, Book of Boba Fett filled that role the last time out. We will... Now they're just okay. We'll just put a movie out in theaters. John Favreau has delivered for Disney time and again. You can do this again in the sleep. So. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw the hook around your neck and drag you off stage because yes, we're gonna put a pin in that and uh, talk about it at length and prognosticate and everything like that. Uh, it's just exciting news that we're getting a movie that we didn't know we we're getting, and we're getting a second season of Ahsoka. Once again, when I was listening to interviews where Rosario Dawson, you know, says, you know, when they asked, when Entertainment Weekly asked her, are we, you know, are we getting season two? She's like, well, I don't know. All actors lie. So it's called, you know, it's, it's called yeah. NDA. They're contractually Acting. obligated. To... Yeah, no, they're obligated to not. It's called NDA. It, so. so, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's called acting. Well, you know <laughs> that too. It, it's like it's like the reporters who would ask Sean Payton, you know, about injuries when they know dang well that he's not going to talk about injuries. But they're like, you realize I get fired if I 
don't ask about the injuries. <laughs> so, um, you know, so I get it. They, you know, Entertainment Weekly has to ask and maybe you'll get a loose cannon, you know, to spoil everything like Giancarlo Esposito, but you know, um, yeah, we need to get him back on uh, on camera and just ask him every question that we can think of because that's how you get answers. Yeah, get one of it. Just get one of them liquored up and have a you know <laughs> tape recorder going. So yeah, but like next said, time, expo. Like I said, kids, well, it's you it, know, go I ahead. Think, uh, kind of circling back to your previous point about you know we are in the information age and we're spoiled. Um, if if you would have told ten year old me that we would have the deep bench of television shows, movies, animated series, all of the Star Wars content is going to exist in your lifetime. Um, I probably would have peed my pants with excitement. Like I, I, you know, that's, and so at, at some point, even when I don't like the things that are coming out or I have questions about why they made the decisions they made, I ultimately kind of land on, um, all Star Wars content is good content. At on some base level, we're getting more of the thing we love. It's like even all if we pizza don't is good. Particularly pizza. love it. Yeah, it's like all pizza is good pizza. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's always been my take on things too. Um, I, I, you know, I, I, I say one thing: the schedule. Like, if there was a like a like a map like when marvel puts their timeline up on the wall and you see when things are coming that's like a warm blanket right because you look at that and you're like okay i can set expectations okay there's a movie coming out here and then there's this all right cool and now i'm excited um when it's a little vaguer it's harder to get the the excitement level up in, in quite the same way. And and again, like we've been burned by things getting canceled and moved around and all that stuff happens. So it's like, eh. but yes, reason for celebration, two new projects that we are all excited about. Well, another reason for celebration is that it is carnival time. And, um, uh, so how many king cakes have we all had so far? Um, we finished our, you've had five whole king cakes so far, Fredo? No, 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 it's no, like, I've had, I've had pieces of five different it's ones. It's like, dude, we need to, we need to talk. It's only been a week. <laughs> I've had <laughs> six. There's my Monday it's king cake. Short... Here's my Tuesday king cake. <laughs> Remember, this is a shortened carnival season, only 38 days. Next year, you can take your time because it doesn't yeah. go till March. You have to plan. There's only so many days that you can have king cake legally before you're the reason why it rains on Mardi Gras Day. Right, so, right. like, get it together. So, um, yeah, and so uh, we have, um, well, I guess, because um, Chewbacca is next weekend, right? Not the, Next weekend. Yeah, we're, not, we're, we're recording this on the 11th of January. Um, we roll on Saturday, January 20th. And I have to show you something. I took this off of my wall, but this is what's hanging in my hallway. <laughs> this is a, this is a, an audio podcast, but folks, I'm holding up my copy of the Chewbacca, um, uh, I suppose poster, if you will, or whatever your, your official one here. And it's, you know, Chewbacca with a lovely wreath hat or whatever, and a goblet and everything. Um, but I got it from the studio 
of the guy who who made it so it's down on uh i can't remember i should have brought the card so i could tell everybody what the studio is maybe you know it uh, it's on, on i do know Royal. it the crew technically owns the original painting yeah because um, when i bought this one he said i've got the original upstairs and i and he's i he said nobody's come to get it and i said well i think we talked about it. is that because there's no certain place there's no specific place that you all call home and you don't want to make it like, you know, the shared time machine on the Big Bang Theory or something like that. Correct. Correct. Um, it's been on our to-do list for many years. You know, the pandemic also kind of put a, a pin in some of our plans. And uh, it's it exists. It's a great painting. We love it. And uh, what I'm saying to everybody listening... Painted is that you can go down to the shop on Royal and I will, uh, man, I like it. I wish I could find the name, but anyway, you can go down and buy smaller size prints of it and everything like that. So it's uh it's a really cool thing to have hanging with the rest of my star Wars stuff. Um, so the first big question is how stressed are you? Medium stressed. Um, my rule of thumb for Chewbacca, I, uh, typically, I de-stress with the hot bath, um, and so my rule of thumb is like how how, many, how stressful am I? How many hot baths do I need to to get away from people? Uh, I'm not in hot bath territory yet, so we're in a good place. Just whiskey, then. Um, <laughs> I guess. Not in whiskey. I guess before I hand it off to other other questions, other guys. But I, I mean, you've been on before and you've told us. But if people we have new listeners or something. Um, can you give just the, you know, down and dirty kind of 60 second history of how, what Chewbacca is and how it came to be and how, what, you know, how it stands out from other Mardi Gras parades? Absolutely. Intergalactic crew of Chewbacca is a all fandom, all nerdom DIY Mardi Gras parade. Um, we are a walking parade. So for those of you who are familiar with Mardi Gras culture, um, there's kind of this great divide of downtown walking crews, uptown kind of traditional parades. Um, and the downtown walking crews tend to be the, the more funky, artsy, DIY version of Mardi Gras. Um, everything in our crew is handmade by our members. You know, we're not importing be plastic beads from China that have lead in them. Um, we're not, we're a green crew. We really try to emphasize um, recycling, reusing. Um, everything we do is with a thought that um, we're celebrating the truest kind of core of Mardi Gras is art and, and uh, social revelry <laughs> um and the chewbacca spin on that is all things nerd um and what i i have always really appreciated about the crew and what we stand for is that it is very accessible um money wise uh crew dues start at 42 dollars, and they go up right now if you want to join the crew you still can it's 82 dollars parade day it's a hundred dollars go to chewbacca.org and join you don't have to 
know someone. You don't have to have someone else sponsor you to to be part of the organization. It's in, intentionally inclusive for everyone who wants to be part of Mardi Gras. Um, and I think for me, those are the, the two things that really spoke to me when I joined Chewbacca's was that it was accessible and it was nerdy. Um, because growing up in New Orleans, I never thought that being in a Mardi Gras crew was going to be something that I could afford. Um, and so we've kind of grown over the years exponentially. When we, when I first joined, we were a rabble group of like 200 people shambling on St. Charles Avenue. Um, and now we are 3000 members wow. and we roll through Marigny and French quarter. And, um, the, the short amount of time that we've grown that much has been kind of a wild ride. But I think it's a testament to people wanting to see that in Carnival. And, um, you know, at a core is, is celebrating all things nerd. Um, Mardi Gras specifically, I think, has this deep rooted tradition in mythology and Greek mythology. And um, the Chewbacca's take, obviously, mashes up our beloved character Chewbacca with Bacchus, the uh, god of wine. And those two kind of ideas come together, I think, to celebrate nerddom and New Orleans-ness in, uh, in a very fun, unique way. And uh, it kind of speaks to the whole idea that the stories we tell in pop culture right now are are our mythology. They're they're our storytelling that we use to connect with each other across the globe about the themes and ideas and and um, things that are important to us. Very cool. Yeah, and I want to I want to say you mentioned the the there you know you're not going to get uh, beads, but the the throws. I see more people get more excited about the Chewbacca's throws, and they're more of like handouts you know um than other parades you know it's again they're handmade they're you know they're quirky they're cool um so yeah i mean and by the way guys uh i still think that we should uh maybe take a like instead of you know like the what the the lazy boys do like maybe we should get our own uh motorized wheelchairs but put tie fighter you know wings on the side of them Actually, we've talked about doing a Mario Kart one, but, you know. <laughs> uh, that was easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, the thing I love about it, though, is that Peter Mayhew was actually aware of and in the parade at one point, right? He was. He was our royalty twice. Um, and his wife also joined us last year before she passed away. Um, so it's been very much a um, Wookiee uh, celebration in, uh, throughout the years. Um, we've we've almost had uh, who's the new Wookiee? Uh, oh, Jonas. Carrie. Oh. Oh. Carrie, jo Carrie Jones. Carrie. What's his last name? Is this the guy who plays? I can't uh, remember his last name. Uh, Black Chrysanthemum. Black 
Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. We almost had him as royalty, and we were really close, and we just couldn't make it work with his production schedule. Very hopeful that we can make that happen in the does, future. Does Jonas um, not want to come? But Jonas Swatimo, I bet he would love it. <laughs> we we reached out to him previously. Uh, we didn't get very far oh. with, with that request, so maybe we can we can do that again uh, oh, yeah, and reach I mean... out again. But. Um, yeah, it's we've had a really good, fun time, um, kind of celebrating the Sacred Drunken Wookie. Peter r- was a big fan and loved the organization and the the kind of cheeky play of how we we kind of deified the the um, character. Um, he was so fun to have at the parade, um, and. Uh, Angie, his wife, was uh, an absolute dream too. Um, it's yeah, we, it's been we've been blessed. Well, and one of the things, kids, that you will see at the beginning of the parade, I believe, is uh, the sock. Right? It's it's framed. Is it still part of the parade? Is that I've... the the sock will roll um there have been different variations of how the sock rolls sometimes a person holds it sometimes it's it's secretly tucked away on on one of the contraptions that rolls down the street um this is peter mayhew's sock who, by the way no um yeah so the the story is the first year that peter rolled in the parade um our gracious overlords at the time asked for asked him to bestow a gift uh to the crew and he bestowed the socks from his feet um, that he was wearing and so we have the our sacred relics are are um uh in a very beautiful display case and um roll in the parade with us um to honor him love it Love it. So chrysanthemum hasn't ha- hasn't happened yet, but hasn't happened crossed. yet. But it's on the wish list. But you do have a pink Chewbacca that 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 typically makes an appearance, and um, we the do. laser rats. The we have so many great Star Wars and just other fandoms um, in the parade. Like I said, we have three thousand members who marched with us last year. We're on track to have about the same number again. Um, the pink Wookiee is always a big favorite. He's an absolutely lovely human being and his costume is great too. Um, the laser rats are, are kind of, a, a official, um, dance troupe of the parade and are always at the front kicking us off. Um, the, we have, uh, invaders are an all Sith group. Um, we have, and then, you know, once we start getting into everybody else, we have Sharknado, we have the Intergalactic Realtors Association, who are just like the most hilarious alien salespeople you'll ever meet. Um, we've got the uh, women of Wakanda, who are a gorgeous, powerful, beautiful, um, I think they're doing a theme this year that honors um it's like a women of wakanda meets barbie something 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 like that 
Um, so every year, there's always something a little different. There's always the people who return every year. We've got crew to who. We've got we've got all your f- favorite fandoms, um, and then there's always a surprise about who will actually be at parade day. I think that's one of the other interesting things about Chewbacca is that because it's it's so accessible, I don't always actually know who's going to show up on parade day. I, I get their information, I take their money, um, and they show up, but what they actually show up and what their costumes look like, I don't always know because everything's handmade, homemade, made by our members. Um, there's always a surprise uh, element that we're like, oh my God, did you see them? They were so cool. Um, and I, that's what I really love about the parade. It's, it's a, a living, breathing organization, much like any Mardi Gras crew. Um, and we're always evolving and growing. Speaking of that, I mean, honestly, I would have to say 3,000 members. You guys may be by far the biggest walking parade, I think. Oh, there's is. no contest. Yeah. Like, I've, like you've seen some of the other big walking parades, and it's like, no, you guys blow them out. There. Like, in some ways, you, you're you as big as the, right, the, parade, the float parades on on the other, on up on the uptown side, which brings to me the question: How do you herd all these intergalactic cats? How do you keep it all straight um, when it's parade day? It's a little bit of a wild ride. Um, the the behind the scenes is always interesting. Um, there there's always a revolving door of members. It's it's a big group. Um, there were definitely some growing pain years in in the in between from when we were 200 to people to to now of 3000 people um there there was a little bit of crisis around like who we are as a crew and how we plan things and how we organize things and how we execute what we're doing um because we really want to rely on this DIY nature and approach to carnival um balancing that with being organized, having, you know, established good relationships with NOPD and the city and permitting and fire department and all those things. Um, there are always challenges organizationally to, to make those things work well. Um, quite honestly, we have a great team uh, uh, in our leadership right now who um, are event planners, who are working movie and television production who um you know in our daily lives do event management and so that's made a big difference in how we approach what we're doing um it also just has really forced us to um think about who we are as an organization and who we want to be and that that 42 dollars, that accessibility that diy uh, that inclusiveness, those are the core things about Chewbacca that we have held on to at, with every fiber of our being, um, because that's, that's to us, what's most important about what we're doing. It, and it would be, um, it would be tempting to raise it. Eh, it's only $62, you know, it, it'd be, it'd be very tempting. So that's very, you know, very, very that's awesome. Um, Cause I'm thinking about that same thing when it's like, you know, people, they live in New Orleans, they, you know, they move to New Orleans, whatever. It's like, hey, I want to, I think being in a Mardi Gras crew would be cool. And then you see the price tag and it's like, hmm, you know, I mean, 
that's that's a heck of for, a monetary commitment. Um, for, for just for people who are not from New Orleans who have never been to a parade, the cheapest that I think I've ever seen being part of a Mardi Gras crew, just the dues, the fees is something like five hundred bucks minimum, and then you have to buy your own throws, which is when you get the the lovely lead thousands line of dollars, China, yeah, which is a, you know that, that's the bare minimum for like uh, just riding on a on one of those off night not big crews. If you're talking one of the big ones that number escalates into the thousands of dollars and yeah it's it's the kind of stuff that people will do maybe once or twice in their lifetime and they go i think i've done it i want to save my money and go on vacation but that's what that's an awesome aspect of chewbacca's it's you're right it's it's accessible anybody can make it and so, because you're making your stuff you can go as crazy as you want it to be as inventive as you want it to so be. i'm going to ask a question about that but first i do have to say one of my favorite things is that i love the fact that your parade like the people who are like always yelling at you to stand back, uh, you know, in every parade, which are usually band moms and, you know, everything like that. Yours are all, most of them or all of them are wearing the red uh, Star Trek shirts. They're the, right? The, there are red shirts. That is, I, I just think that is, that was genius. I'm not a Star Trek fan. I'm not anti-Star Trek, but I, but I just, when we see that, it's just like, that is just genius. But I do have a question about the, um, the DIY, the DIY, you know, DIY, you know, like I said, you can be as creative as you want to be, but have you ever had anybody show up on parade day? And I know, you know, crew de vue gets a little bl gets blue. That's their thing, you know, but have you ever had to say, uh, no, this is, this isn't going to cut it. Um, your, your, what your, your costumes or anything like that. Did you have to send somebody home? We don't have, um, uh, you know, space police to boot you from space the parade. <laughs> we do, we, we do ask people to you have to have a costume period. Like you can't just be a muggle in the parade. That's not, that's not how this works. Um, but we, you know, one year we had this really bro -y group of people show up on parade day and they were just the fucking chat. space bananas space bananas space bananas they were just bananas they were just bananas and they were like mm. uh if i ever see any of them again like space bananas are, are airlocked they can never be in the parade again um <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna, I was gonna suggest if you ever if you ever decided to get like space police to like police the, the parade, just have them dress up as space balls. No, no, no! Light speed is too slow. Light speed too slow? Yes, we're gonna have to go right to ludicrous speed. <gasps> ludicrous speed, sir. We've never gone that fast before. I don't know if the ship can take us. What's the matter, Colonel Sanders? Chicken? No, it's not bad. That's yeah, not bad at all. No, with the helmets and all. Space balls. There goes the um, planet. I mean, here's the other thing. We have banned people from the organization. Um, mm -hmm. Like any Mardi Gras organization, there is literally no Mardi Gras organization that exists in New Orleans without drama. Um, <laughs> it is like a core tenant of once you get that many people in a room together, drama ensues uh, in some Politics form or fashion. Ensue, yeah. 
politics of the crew. I mean, legit, I'm honestly really proud that Chewbacca's has endured as long as it has and continues to grow and thrive. Um, because basically all of the other downtown crews besides like Red Beans, they're all offshoots from Crew de Vue, right? Like Crew de Vue and Crew Delusion and Boem and Mystic, Mystique, whatever that, that new group mm -hmm. is parade. Like they're all offshoots of, of Crew de Vue or Crew de Vue offshoots of offshoots of Crew de Vue because right. of politics and how people want to organize themselves, how people are represented in the organization, who's making decisions. Um, you know, it Mardi Gras is both the highest stakes and the lowest stakes all at the same time, right? Because people are are giving of themselves they're making art they're putting the time and effort and sweat equity into this idea for an entire year and so they do have kind of some ownership of what is happening and what they want their vision of what they want to see and so you know they're invested but then also it's still just like a parade of drunk people in the street. Um, so <laughs> so uh, it is, it's fascinating to kind of get behind the scenes and see how things works and, and how things don't. Um, and quite honestly, you know, Chewbacca's was in leadership crisis for a while be before our team joined. Um, because people felt like they weren't being represented by people who are making decisions in their best interest. And um, that's it. It's part uh, and parcel of how Mardi Gras comes together in New Orleans. Um, the, the fascination with who makes decisions, why, how, who's in, who's out, who's connected, you know, who's being racist and stupid and homophobic or, um, you know, it, it is all part yeah. of the landscape of Mardi Gras. Um, and Chewbacca tries to not get into those human politics as much as we can. Um, but we are bound by this reality. So we're, we're in it sometimes. So can you take me just quickly, like, what is, what is your, year look like you talk about decisions that are being made like okay so Chewbacca gets done on saturday um well a week from saturday everybody um when it when that gets done then that kicks off next year what is what does your cycle look like what decisions are you making you don't have to go through all of them but it's i think it's interesting yeah. it's not just about collecting money and showing up on Saturday night and marching what what goes into it and I have a sub question yeah. off of that too which is like for the for the people like the low barrier aspect of this for like people who just like want to sign up and walk right um what's the time commitment look like for them over the course of you know a year not just parade day for example and so like that yeah. would be my sub question so for me it's like another job um, you know, technically 
I'm I'm running a nonprofit organization. Chewbacca is a nonprofit organization. We file our taxes. We have bank accounts. We have to, you know, have a budget and figure all those things out. Um, literally next day after Chewbacca on January 21st, we will be talking about next year. Um, so our our cycle starts day one. The following day, we have um, a contraption pickup where we've parked all of our things together we're, we're shambling out of the the uh the throat of um whatever drunken stupor we're in and we start putting things away and that's my opportunity to interact with people who are in the parade and ask them how it went get feedback um we do a survey as all of those pieces are immediately useful to us right because we're thinking about how people felt about the route we did, the place we had our after party, what kind of talent we had at our after party, all of the things that are part of the parade experience. Um, people are giving us feedback and we digest that and think about it and use that to start planning for the next year. Realistically, you know, we all also have full-time jobs and we don't get paid to do this. So uh, I like to say that the, the sacred drunken Wookiee slumbers between parade day and May the 4th. Um, so that gives us some time to really truly put things to bed, deal with any issues that come up. I mean, there's always like, so-and-so blah 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 this and that this crew created a trash situation that the city is upset about so-and-so you know ruined my parade day or the wookie forbid you know there's serious uh, interaction where someone gets assaulted or any of those things those are things that touch our members that we have to address and it takes us time to talk to everyone and investigate. And if we're going to airlock someone for bad behavior during the parade, we're talking to everyone um, involved in the incident. So there's, there's some downtime for uh, downtime, like publicly facing, we say it's downtime, but it's really time for us to put that parade to bed. And then after May the 4th, May the 4th, we usually have like a social, some kind of thing to bring, bring, all of our members together um usually just like you know low-key at a at a pub at a um brewery around town um and then we run through our schedule of off-season events we have we roll chewbacca's rolls in pride we roll in decadence we roll in midsummer mardi gras so we're we're kind of a sub contingent of those parades and we're you know making costumes for those things where we're uh, spreading the word of the sacred drunken Wookiee through those events. Um, and all throughout that time, basically from May to November, we're putting in the work to think about what next year's theme is going to be, where the after party is going to be, who's going to play at the after party. Are we going, do we like the vendors that we worked with last year? Are there any issues that we need to, bigger issues that we need to start talking through? Um, obviously the past couple years, not just us, uh, other parades have had issues with um, NOPD and OPSE. 
um, which is like the one-stop permitting in New Orleans. And they're, they're the people who basically decide what your parade route is going to be, how much money you're going to pay NOPD for your escort. And um, two, three years ago, we had a problem where our route got cut two days before the parade and nobody had bothered to mention it to us until then. And everyone, all the businesses who are along the route that got cut got really upset because they had already stocked up. They had already bought alcohol and gotten ready for this. And all of a sudden, they weren't going to have the crowds that they're going to have. And these are businesses that Chewbacca is their biggest night of the year. The economic impact of our parade is not nothing. Um, there are businesses along our route that don't have events like Halloween or Mardi Gras or things where other people are bringing boots in, in front of their storefronts. And Chewbacca can literally make or break their entire budget cycle. Um, and so the way the city handled that was a disaster. And other parades like Crudevu um, and uh, Delusion have had issues with their route and their date and when they're rolling. Um, and so we've had ongoing conversations with city council about amending the legislation about how Mardi Gras works in the city. You know, all of the traditional uptown parades, they pay zero dollars for their police escort during parade season because it's covered by the city. It's a mandatory um, assignment within their district because the city has said this is an economic driver of the economy of new orleans and it's important enough to make sure that they're handling it meanwhile our small parade in comparison is paying ten twenty thousand dollars for our security escorts when these crews that are paying thousands of dollars to roll in the parade are spending zero dollars mm. for their police escort um, so there's a lot of work that's going in on the back end to continue those conversations and talk to city council about how can we be more fair about how we're treating different parade organizations. Um, this year, we had lots of conversations about that with the city, and there's ongoing efforts with the city council to rewrite the ordinances that govern organizations like us specifically to protect us the way that the other organizations are protected. We had uh, JP Morrell on last, uh, like winter, like last December, I'd say. And uh, we brought some of those permitting issues <laughs> up because they were notorious. They were, it was obvious. It was, it was, it was in the news at that point because it was such a big story. Um, and I said, what are we looking like for this year? And he said, uh, I think I think we're gonna look we're, we're we're looking much better at this point. And I think shortly thereafter, like he had, you know, members of walking crews come in to the city council chamber and, you know, for photo ops and to, to honor them and all of this stuff because it's like, I think like they knew that the city had kind of boned these things up, and that like again like for city council person, the, the idea of I'd love to get reelected. 
Um, to me, this is low hanging fruit. Um, this is one of those things. This is one of those issues that is solvable. There's there's so many issues politically that you can't begin to wrap your arms around because it just so, there's so much logistical challenge in addressing it. This to me is is one of those things that it's an easy win. Yeah. And it's a huge win because everybody's like, okay, great. Parades can march and I can go watch my parade and I'm, I'm good with that, you know? Um, and particularly, I mean, and, and you can speak to this, Ariana, Mardi Gras and Carnival in general, I mean, it's, it's something traditional. It's some, people like to do the same thing. They like to go to the same spot, see the same people they gather around, be at the same places to see the parades as they march by, roll by. It's something that they look forward to on an everyday basis. I mean, your, your members, I'm sure, they're looking forward to completing this cycle, but they're already thinking probably about next year's cycle, what they're thinking, oh, we, we should have done this, we still got time to do that, or, you know, so you can speak to that element of that keeping, you know, you know that, that traditional element that, you know, now, I mean, because Chewbacca is, what year is this now for y'all marching? Is 13. 13th, yeah, lucky 13. So, so I mean, for a lot of those folks, I mean, 13 years marching, this is not part of their lives. It is. Um, and it's like I said, everything and nothing at the end of the day, it's still mm. a parade. But to me and to the people that I roll with and the people that I spend my time making art that I'm going to give away for free to strangers on the street, that it's real meaning of life type stuff, right? Because I'm sitting around the table with the people that I love the most and we're bonding and creating beautiful things and beautiful experiences. And so it's something that I think, particularly post-COVID, New Orleanians are very sensitive absolutely how important it was in the same way that post Katrina we're like we're never giving up Mardi Gras right like you go through those traumatic moments where the core of what makes life living here joyful and happy and you know the reason why we're all here the moment you don't have those things it's a stark reality of like living here is sometimes not great a lot of times not great no infrastructure is not good. We don't have working things. We have uh, antiquated systems. We have corruption. We have lots of real issues. Um, and when you have these celebrations, I think outside people look at Mardi Gras and see, you know, booze and beads and Bourbon Street. But what they don't see is that mardi gras is made in the living rooms and dens and garages across new orleans throughout the year it's community building and yeah. it's bringing people together for the silliness of uh just enjoying themselves and it's beautiful 100 percent. yeah i i think i think about that we have a uh uh Mardi Gras Indian who lives like around the corner and we see him working on his suit. Um, you have, yeah. I mean, the number of friends we have that are glitter is, you know, engulfing their, their house because they're, you know, doing whatever. Um, you've mentioned a couple of times as we kind of 
come towards the end here. You've mentioned what theme is it going to be and what, you know, the after party is going to be. Can you talk to, first of all, what's the theme of this year? Um, and you can also uh, talk a little bit, make sure people know what the route is. Um, Cause we've mentioned, we've just been talking about a route. Um, but uh, also then the after party, who's, who's playing and what's, uh, what's that all looking like? All right. I'll go through the deets. I'm, I'm going to uh, jump back to David's question um, about how much time people put in oh, yeah. what they do. It is as much or as little as you want. Um, you know, I love making handmade throws that are really um, like mantelpieces, something that someone's going to cherish and love and display on their work mantle, on their refrigerator, on their wherever they collect their trophies. Um, so I think that's the beauty of the DIYness of the parade. Um, bring as much time, effort, um, or as little time, effort as you want to creating your own vision of how you want to participate. A lot of organizations, they kind of run the gamut in New Orleans of how people treat choosing their royalty um, and kind of getting back to the question of like who your organization is and why you do what you do. We decided this year that we wanted to start choosing um, our royalty from within our crew with intention, um, not, not just luck of the draw who this might be, but honoring people who've given back to the crew. Um, and so our royalty this year is Eldon Spear. He's our original membership master for the crew. Um, and he has given many hours uh, of his life to, to the organization. And we just wanted to honor everything he's done for Chewbacca's and making the organization continue to exist. Um, and so his subcrew is the Men in Black crew um and so we selected him to reign as king and they will be in an honored position at the front of the parade um and uh the parade rolls will start at franklin and st claude um roll down the riverside of st claude turn down elysian fields and then we'll basically go all the way up to Decatur and end uh, blocks away from Canal Street. I can't remember the exact cross street right now, um, but we've, we did the same exact route last year. It's actually the first time in Chewbacca's history that we've done the same route as we did last year. Um, <laughs> for various and sundry reasons, uh, we've had lots of different variations of where we started, where we ended, um, this kind of route we've done the past couple of years similarly, but last year we started on Franklin because Homer Plessy was under construction. And then we ended up liking Franklin so much more. Um, and then we've ended near canal street through the French quarter for the past couple of years because our after party is at the Fillmore. It's a wonderful party. Um, members get into the Chewbacca for free. It's an all ages show. Um, so you can bring your teens if you want. It's basically just like a big cantina dance party. 
Um, muggles are welcome. However, costumes are very much encouraged. Um, and you can buy general admission. If you're not a member, you can buy tickets through Tmaster. Um, and our headliner for the Chewbacca this year is a DJ called Wookie. Right W-U-K-I. He's fantastic. I love him. Um, we got to see him at a festival. I got to see him at a festival out in uh, Tampa, and he's um, he's starting to blow up. So I'm glad that we got him in when we can afford him, because I, I would guess that next year we probably couldn't. <laughs> right. Any other final questions from anybody? I don't know if we miss it. We made her talk a lot. So, um, and that, that's good. Thank you for all that. You know, um, I, yeah. I mean, the thing I, I just want to want, I just want to point this out. It's like you're, you're mentioning kind of the politics of it um, that goes into it. It's one of the things that frustrates me sometimes about being in the 501st is that, you know, people, it's like, I do not, I've said on this podcast a lot of times, I do not like interact on the message boards and everything like that. And when people start getting upset about this, that, and the other and politics and everything, I'm like, I'm 50 years old in a stormtrooper costume. It's like, let's, let's, let's realize what this is about here, folks, you know, let's calm down, you know? Um, but so it is at the end of the day, it's like, it, Jeff, it, I, I just love it because it seems like the other crews have so much you're in this. So you're going to wear this costume and you're going to do these things. Like your, your crew is just like, it's the new Orleans do what you want to, you know? Um, and that's, that's, what's cool about it. So, uh, I appreciate that yeah, crew a absolutely. lot and not just because it's a bunch of nerds. I think, <laughs> I think one of our kind of unofficial sayings of Chewbacca is crew love is true love. Um, and I think that's really where we want to exist in the kind of cultural landscape of Mardi Gras is that like we we want to celebrate the people who love nerdy things um we we want to uplift everyone who's um been disenfranchised and made fun of for loving this weird thing um we're us we're a crew of weirdos <laughs> and um i think radical inclusivity is truly um, the most beautiful thing that we bring to um, the carnival scene. I think that's an awesome thing to end on there. So, I'll, and I will give you props for that too, because the, when we are usually watching, we're usually in the audience. We never see anything hateful out there. Y'all get a little long. <laughs> and we got kids and there are times where it's like well this is a marathon i don't know if we can uh, stay for the whole thing but um i never see anything hateful out there and i will say one thing one thing i do love about chewbacca is all the members make sure that the kids just get all the love all the attention they get you know because it's usually I mean they're the ones pointing out look at the pink Wookiee, look at Idiota, look at this, you know, all, you know, they're all, they're, their little heads are spinning everywhere and they get all the, they get all the love. And that's always a good thing. Cause you know, that's how you get the next generation of kids to just roll into the dirty things we like, the geeky things we like, but also into Mardi Gras, into carnival. It's, you, you make them feel part of this 
grand, crazy, goofy experience, and they just go out and live this all the time. Absolutely. Well, Ariana, thank you for once again for coming and uh, and talking to us about this. I think it's it's a it's a it's great of you to do that. So, um, and I hope that the next week is there are no baths. So no no hot baths. <laughs> no stress baths. Yeah. Um, Every good stuff. All good things. No stress. So all the bath bombs were after carnival. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Well, all right. Well. Until next week, everybody, we will say who dat? Who dat? And everybody have an awesome, safe, wonderful uh, week. My monkey.